What's up? Chris, you are in a new location. We are finally recording from your new location. How is Michigan? 1,400 miles north of where I was. Um, it's cold. Cold. That's you the best are way. as far north, almost exactly, as far east as I, like, you are as, as far north as I am east of where I moved from Dallas. That is very interesting. Yeah, it's weird to think about. <laughs> The sheer distance my family picked up and moved is really, really weird to move. Hey, they've updated the uh, the schedule to show the Sheffield United thing. We'll get to that, but they've updated it now. Yes. Yes, they did. Oh, Wrexham. Wrexham. Poor Wrexham. Oh, man, I'm kind of glad we're not playing them, though. Uh, but, hey, we have a lot to catch up. We're not going to catch up on everything. Uh, Absolutely it, not. Life happened, audience. Anyone out there actually listen to this? Life has happened. Colin got married. Chris moved 1,400 miles. Um, just hard to pin down, I guess. Uh, things <laughs> <laughs> things have happened. Working, so you worked a so whole lot. We, we, we took a hiatus before the World Cup and never really picked back up after the World Cup, but we are making an effort here. Uh, so now that the transfer window is done, now that we are officially in the second half of the Premier League season, um, we thought it would be a good time for Chris and I to catch up. Talk about where we stand, talk about how we feel about the team, how we feel about the league, how we feel about the fact that we're still in three competitions, Chris. Yeah. Um, And, you know, no no better place to start than, um, man, what a weird January window just entirely. We didn't spend 600 million euros like uh, like Chelsea did, but we did bring two new players in uh, and loaned out a. How do you feel about specifically the two players we've brought in, Chris? I I think they're both smart moves. Um, I think... Uh, and, and for the audience, who are those two players? Uh, Pedro Poro, our new uh, right wing back. And then Danjuma. How do you say his first name? Is it Arnaud? Arnaud? Uh, he just go, I just call him Danjuma because... Yeah, I think Danjuma. it's Arnaud Danjuma. So, 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 so for, for the audience, Pedro Porro was a uh, wingback at Manchester City for like one season. Didn't get along with Pep. They sold him to uh, Sporting, where Marcus Edwards is in Portugal. Uh, he's been killing it over there. Uh, we signed him on a permanent deal. Uh, it was a very drawn-out process. Took forever. Spent about, what, 45 million pounds? Ish. Yeah, around 45 million to get to him. Total. But he's on a permit. He's coming on a permit. No loan to purchase, I don't think. I think it's just a straight purchase. Yeah, this is a straight buy. Um, he's coming in at a time to be our starting right wing back when Emerson finally figures out to play <laughs> the position. But we'll get to that. And then Dan Juma is someone that, with Premier League experience, played at Bournemouth. At Bournemouth. Uh, actually played against us in the Premier League uh, when we saw Jose Mourinho and had a fantastic match against us. Young player, uh, well, he's 25. He's not. He's not too young. He's not really old. He's approaching his peak. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Was killing it um, in, uh, in, at, La Liga. in La Liga. Uh, was had a very good season last year, especially in Champions League at uh, uh, Villarreal. Yeah. Right. Uh, but uh, change of manager, change of system, kind of on the outs. So he's on loan, but there is a purchase option for him in the summer, I believe. Yeah, it's like and, 21 million euros. I and think. he has stated that he is excited to be here and wants to make a case for himself. I think he really wants to move. I think he remembers his time in the Premier League. The, the feeling I get is he wants to be here. So he is a left wing slash striker. 
uh, right-footed, very pacey, very athletic. He's a uh, he's not a small guy. He's not you know Brian Hill. He's not a featherweight, uh, and he's Premier League proven. He had a full season at Bournemouth in the Premier League. Uh, so those are our two signings, Chris. Who are you more excited about, uh, and why? And given we have seen Dan Juma on the pitch for Spurs, and he's already scored a fucking goal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but who are you more excited about and, and why? Um, it's hard to pick between the two of them. Um, Danjuma, uh, they're bo- I'm excited about both of them, but for different reasons, I guess. Is that the best way to put it? Yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. expand on that. But very different reasons. Danjuma offers another, another bit of depth going forward that I think Conte uh, um, will use. Like, I think we were all super excited about Hill growing into that role, and he looked like he was doing really well, but it it was obvious that Conte was still very Hill was the first product. Yeah, he's still very scared to use this kid. So loan him out. Let's keep him playing at least. Danjuma coming in represents a player that at least Conte might use. He fits the mold for what Conte's super right. excited about. And then Poro, we've been talking about this, and I think you were like the main one who – who really brought this in is that Conte's system depends so much on creative attacking wingback play, actually giving him that he now has a veritable option of wingbacks to utilize. And I'm, it really makes me excited for next season when destiny shows up, but we'll talk about that down the line. Um, but he has the attacking wingbacks that could provide the width that we're all like, okay, you've got it now. You've got the, players or something closer to the players you're looking for let's see what you can do so i'm excited for both of them just for for different reasons yeah you know we haven't seen poro on the pitch yet he i think i think um they said he got sick or something i think ali gold said he, he he came in he was a little sick so he wasn't ready to play um against city um i would think he is ready soon I and mean, we'll talk about the schedule in a moment but on paper, he's the exact wing back that yeah. Conte wants, right? He's he's not quite as tall and big as Conte usually likes his his players. He's he's not a tall guy. I think he's like five seven, five eight. Uh, but his his technique, his technical ability, his technique on the ball, his technical ability is is very good. Um, you know, Manchester City signed him for a reason. Um, I read the other day that. Um... When comparing our options on the right side now, Pedro Porro, if you want to put him in a box, is more wing than back, whereas Emerson is more back, back than wing. wing. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think I think that's right. I think Porro is closer. You know, how many Spurs fans have said, if only we had Kieran Trippier under under uh, Conte. Even right? Serge might have done something under Conte. Serge, Serge had the athleticism, but 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 Trippier had the end product. If if people stood off him, he he very not a very athletic individual, but his end product is very good. Um, but I think Poro is that blend of end product and athleticism. And you know Emerson is playing his ass off. We'll get to that in a second. But um, you know I think this is a sign to Conte that we are backing him because while Perisic is a stopgap and is probably only a one or two season type player given his age, you know, we have Destiny Uyogi coming in. We've got, uh, you know, Sessian still only 22 years old. Yep. We've got uh, Emerson is still only 23, I believe. You know, yep. uh, Poro is 23. We've got a, a depth at young wingback talent to set us up moving forward. And I think that is a sign for Conte that we are, are committing to him. Um, you know, and then you bring in Dan Juma, who, listen, his only appearance has been in an FA Cup match against a non-Premier League side. But, you know, this is a, a tall, uh, athletic, dynamic forward player that can play striker or left wing, that can fill in for Kane or Son, the way that Richarlison can and gives us a lot of depth. We don't have a lot of depth out there with with Kulisevsky. Basically, we just ha- have to hope that Lucas is semi-fit and can can rotate with Kulisevsky on the right and hope hope Decky stays stays fit. But we're starting to get some depth up front, and and Anjuma to me is a 
taller Bergvine in a way, right? I can see he's, that. He's someone that's a little bit more dynamic. You know, I, I still think Bergvine could have done a job for us. Absolutely. But Danjuma may offer us a better option centrally that Bergvine didn't. Um, and and it shows to Conte that we're willing to get some add some depth up front as well. Um, I'm more excited for Porto just because we've not had a right wing back of that ilk before. Um, under Conte, Mm-mm. but Dan Juma has already scored. I mean, <laughs> it, it was a miss hit, but he got in a great position, and you know, Kane's, he was where he was supposed to be. Kane's so record scoring goal over the weekend wasn't a perfect hit, right? You don't always have to hit him perfect. It's about it's about putting him in the right spots. Um, we also loaned some players out, Chris. So yeah. um, I'm going to ask your opinion on this, but just to run down for the for the audience, we loaned out Jed Spence to Ren, who already got a start and already looked phenomenal in his debut. Ren is really hurting at, at right back. Is it Ren or Rims? It's Ren, it's, right? I call it Ren. I used to say Rins, and then somebody corrected me, and I was like, no, it's just leave the S off. It's Ren. It's just Ren, right? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they're really hurting at right back, and he he slotted right into the first match and um, looked great. They said he pack- had he had so many options for loans, and he chose this one specifically because well, he, and so that's a great problems. call out there. And it's not that it's just they chose that, chose that, but the club and the player Ren wanted an option to purchase, and Spence was in line with the club to say, "No, I do not want a purchase option. I want to come back to Spurs in August." Right. Apparently, Spence has it in his mind that he can be successful at Spurs, which I absolutely love the confidence of that to say, listen, I'm going to go play for six months. I'm going to come back and I'm going to compete for that right wing back spot. And I absolutely love that. Um, Brian Hill goes back to Spain. Uh, I just, I I honestly just wish like I get why the club wants to hang on to Hill being such a young player and so talented and so like, but I almost feel like, look, if if we're going to keep Conte, you need to go ahead and sell Hill because you just know Conte's not completely. Yeah, sold. it's a tough one. It's, it, feel, it definitely feels like a square peg round hole type thing. And I think it's more of the opposite of Spence where the club's not willing to sell Hill yet because yeah. in case Conte leaves, Hill could do a job for a different manager. Right. Um, And he's so young, they still have plenty of time to make their money back on him. Uh, he just does not feel like to me, he doesn't feel like a Premier League player at all. He's just so small. Uh, he feels like a La Liga or a Portugal, like those types of leagues that are very technique and not it's very so physical. <laughs> he's so you know, he's not, it's not that he's short, he's not tall, but it's that he's, he's just so light slight. as a feather and he's, he's tiny. He's like 120 pounds or something. It's just so, uh, he's so uh, tiny that he just gets pushed off the ball so easily. Um, we, um, we did not execute loan deals for SAR or skip skip had lots of options, but we held on to skip, uh, which I think is a very positive move. Probably. Yeah. Uh, and then there's Doherty who we were going to loan out to Atletico, but had already reached our loan limit and we terminated Doherty's contract, Chris. So Doherty is no longer a Tottenham player. He is signed on a free to Atletico Madrid, who now have Regulon as well. They just took both of our fullbacks. Um, what, how do you feel about Doherty of all players? Apparently, players were very broken up about this. Um, well, the, the feel feeling of the, the club was that this was going to be a straight loan with an option. It would just give him an out so he could play. Um he was very popular amongst the other players. I mean, his best friends were Harry Kane and Eric Dyer, who yeah. are mainstays. So the idea that he was going anywhere was just I think kind he was of one of Kane's golf buddies. But I also think when it came down to it, because I, I like we seem to have a really good relationship with uh, with Atletico. Yeah, and I there really reason. feel like rather than stop the player, stop a 30-year-old wing back from moving. And potentially hurt our relationship with Atletico, who we could later on do business with. They just said, okay, here's what we'll do. We're going to cut his contract. So you guys can sign him on a free. And everybody is 
happy here. We we were probably going to get a minimal fee for him if we sold him in the first place because of his age and his injury history. So this was just kind of a let's make everybody happy and allow him to allow him to go. I, I do think it was it reeks of clerical error on the Tottenham part. Like somebody just forgot, like, oh, crap, we do have eight players out on uh, international loan. We can't do this. So this is the only way this is going to work. And we've already worked it this far. So I. So interestingly yeah. enough, part of the reason that Doherty could not be loaned out is. Uh, Regulon is on loan at Atletico. Let's just forget. Mm-hmm. He's on loan until the end of the season. He was not sold. Lo Celso, on loan still technically, was not sold. I believe. I'll look that up as it. But I know no. Ndombele, not sold on and I doubt loan. Paying that fee. <laughs> um, uh, Ndombele is actually. Um, there's a chance. There, there's there, a slight there, chance. There. We'll see what he does in the second half of the season. There's a slight chance, but I. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but but yeah, I mean. So we have we have we have Lo Celso on loan at Villarreal, which is that where Ryan Hill went as well? Um no, no. Uh, Hill went Ryan to, Hill went to Sevilla, Sevilla. 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 I'm sorry, Sevilla. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, part of the reason that 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 um we had to cut Doherty is because we have three players on loan from the beginning of the season. Uh, that we we just couldn't sell and Dombele, Regulon, and Lo Celso. Um, Chris, is there any chance that any of those three players are just named? And Joe Roden's also on loan. By the yeah, way. Um, but I'm not including Harry, him in this. Don't question. forget Harry Winks. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw Harry Winks in there. Is there any chance that any of those four players, Regulon, Lo Celso, and Dombele or Winks, come back to the club? The, to be honest, the only one I could see coming back. Is probably Lacelso. Interesting. That's not the one I would say. Why? Why would you say that? Um, just because of the position that he plays, and he, it's just an opportunity for him. It's not like a he's dead set. Like I don't think he's dead set on coming on. I wouldn't even put money on him coming back, and and doing a job for Conte. Um, but Conte was very complimentary of Lacelso before he left. He kept saying, "This guy's a really good player." When he left, he was just when when Conte sent him out on loan, he was basically like, uh, he's a great player. He just won't do what I tell him to do. And if if Lacelso would do that, he'd probably still be in the team now and, and playing some role for Spurs. Um, he's the only one as I look at this list of players on international loan now that I'm like, yeah, I mean maybe he could. Um, Spence would have to do quick, some quiet quick question. Quick question. Yeah. We'll see. Quick quick question. So I'm gonna see if you get this right. Do you know how old Giovanni Lo Celso is? Twenty-six. Okay. Is Harry Winks older or younger than Lo Celso? He's older. He's twenty-seven. Harry Winks is fucking twenty-seven. Mm-hmm. When did that happen? People have always been talking about Harry Winks like he's some young player that any day now he'll come. No, Harry Winks is the player he's going to be. He yeah. is as good as he's going to get. <laughs> um, Incredible. Yeah, I think Regulon, for me, is the only one that could possibly come back in. Um, and compete with who? Like, Well, he, so here's here's my thing, is that is that Perisic is an older player, and... I don't know if Conte is going to trust his legs to run up and down the field as a left wing back for a full season again. He might be more of like a utility player Um, because he signed for a two-year deal, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're all sold on Sessegnon yet. I think Destiny's going to come in and have a chance to make that starting left wing back position his. Um. Sessignon hasn't covered himself in glory this season. I, I'll tell you what, being in the stands for the North London Derby, nobody got more flack than Sessignon. Uh, the things I was hearing in that stand were hard to listen to at points. Um, you know, I, I still think there's a great player in there. He's only 22 years old. He's still super young. He's very dynamic. But yeah. what I've seen from, from Sessignon is his inability to take on a player or even when he does, his inability to get past the player. 
It Which doesn't is weird like because it was so much of his strength when he got here. That's what he was. Yeah. Doing. And, you know, when he gets on the ball, he doesn't get past anybody to get that cross in. And Perisic, who has not does not have the acceleration or pace that he does, Perisic routinely gets his, his crosses in. And I don't know if it's a technique issue or a pace issue, but Sessignon does not have that burst of pace to get past folks. And his defending isn't any better. I mean, his defending might be slightly better than Perisic, but it's not incredible. And so, you know, for me, it was always a weird run that Regulon was allowed to leave. I think I think part of it was that injury he picked up, right? Um, injury I, and his inability to finish whenever he would, whenever he yeah, got on the but, end. But but I think we let him go because we thought Sessignon was just as good of an option. But, I mean, is he? I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's possible that Regulon's allowed to come back in over the summer, and you know he's going to come back at the, at, at the end of the season regardless. All these players that we mentioned are coming back at the end of the season regardless for for training camp, and maybe in July Conte's going to take a look at him and be like, can any of these do a job? Yeah. Um, but uh, moving on, so that that's the transfer window. Uh, we have two Next new players. Year starting midfield includes Tangi and Domble. <laughs> Um, I'm very happy to have Poro and Injuma in my uh, FIFA team on online seasons. I'll say that much. My bench looks much better now when I go when I go play folks with Tottenham online. Um, I now have Dan Juma instead of Brian Hill, and I now have uh, Poro starting with uh, an inform. I'll, I'll let you know. Emerson is in form right now. Uh, upgraded to an 81 overall on FIFA. That's how good his form is. And let's 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 use that as a uh, as a, a as springboard a here. As a springboard here, what has gotten into Emerson Royale in the past two weeks? Uh, Chris, I know you've been chomping at the bit to talk about this because there's <laughs> been nobody, nobody I know that has been more of a defender and advocate for Emerson Royale than you. And I have to give you credit. Uh, man of the match against Manchester City, um, and before that was had a very good performance the week before that. Take the floor. What have you seen in Emerson the past two weeks uh, from a performance standpoint that you hadn't been seeing before? And how does this work with Poro coming in? For me, it's number one. I was so happy to see him have these 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 two Absolutely. performances. Um, and let me say, let me say, you no. Know, regardless of how poorly a player is performing, I will always be somebody that I will root for them as long as they have a Spurs shirt on and they haven't like desecrated the club. I will always root for them to play well. I don't understand these folks that 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 boo their own players or shit on their own players because what good does that get you? I yeah, do yeah. not understand that. I am very happy for Emerson as well, especially given the fact that everyone just seems to love the fucking guy. Like <laughs> he's, he's just like so really lovable, really right? Yeah. Um, but 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 continue. I agree. I, I think we're both very happy to see the form he's in. Yeah. But but what on the field are you seeing that's different? So I went back and specifically watched the man of the match, the Man City performance, and he was. I think it's a close run for man of the match because uh, I think Hoybier had a really great game as well. But I think Emerson having a game, the game that he did, and holding Grealish in check is really what potentially won us that match. And because Grealish was playing quite well. He was getting in great exactly. positions. He was getting in awe at, and he, he positions he would normally finish. Grealish Emerson was fought his ass off defensively, too. Grealish yeah. was having a good game. So it wasn't like Grealish was off of it. Emerson no. had his task ahead of him. Emerson just just had a great game. Like they had a great duel going down that. And if you're a neutral, if I'm not a Tottenham fan, um, that's a great thing to watch is these two these two players having this duel up and down the left side of the pitch. Um, but but for me in the city match, just watching him play that game, it played just more to his strengths. And I think that's part of the problem what we haven't seen from him before. In other matches against weaker teams, we need, and you've talked about this and we'll get to it, but we need attacking wingbacks who get forward and create for the forwards in front of them, for Kulisevsky, for Kane. We need that wingback play. He's not great at that. His strength is defending. In the City game, that's what he did. 
it's 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 uh, Stellini, I guess, is our our assistant coach that that coached out that game, and he basically it looks like he told him like, I want you to go out and just make yourself a nuisance defending. Yep. Wherever you feel like you can be a defensive nuisance is where you need to be. So you we saw um, whenever Perisic would get further up the pitch and stay further up the pitch, Emerson would swing over all the way from the right side wing back to play left wing back to cover for Perisic just to defend that side. Wherever City's wings were getting forward, Emerson was getting into those defensive positions. And he was still playing some uh, some offensive roles as well, but his that game just matched his defensive capabilities and showed that that's what he's good at. He is a defender. He's not a wing back. He's not an attacker. But if you give him the role, he will defend and he will. And it, he blacked out Grealish. It was ridiculous. <laughs> I've never. Well, I mean, so so you say, you know, say defending, but I, I'm seeing a better offensive output from him too. It, I yes, mean, he, he scored against Manchester City attacking. on the 19th. Um, you know, um, when we, when we played, um, you know, Doherty had his, had his last match for the club against, um, against Preston in the FA Cup, but Emerson came on, but, you know, Emerson has played the last three, last three league matches for us and had a great match against Fulham as well. Yeah. Um, in a match that was very hard fought, Fulham are not an easy foe to beat on the road. Um, that was a, a very uh, tough fought match. And I think, you know, you touched on something. I don't think it's just Emerson. I think something that Stellini, um, you know, maybe it's Conte through Stellini. I don't know. But something I've noticed, even in the, the first match against Manchester City, where we got we got beaten because City came out firing in all cylinders early in the second half. We've been playing more on the front foot. We've been defending on the front foot. We mm-hmm. see our defenders pressing up the pitch. We see us challenging for every ball instead of just sitting back. And, um, you know, that was very, very evident against Manchester City um, on the weekend where our goal came from us. Pressing the ball. Perisic forced the ball back. And as soon as the ball went backwards, we pounced. And Hoybier had an amazing interception. He read that, could not have read that better. Um, you know, and was able to falling down Eric Lamella style, uh, feed Harry Kane. And, you know, we defended better in that match than I've, than I've noticed in a while. Don't look now, but three straight clean seats, sheets in all competitions. Yeah. Have we, have we figured something out defensively? And Emerson's no small part of that, right? His form and his role is no small part of that, but have we, have we figured something out defensively? Because if we look at the rest of our uh, rest of our matches, um, the last clean sheet we kept before the Fulham match was, I mean, technically we beat Portsmouth in the FA Cup. And we beat well, so yeah. Think about this 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 new year. We lost the Villa on January first, right? Two 0 We beat Palace four 0 Beat Portsmouth one 0 um, we had two matches in a row where we lost, but then we've kept three clean sheets in a row. We've kept five clean sheets out of the last seven matches. Have we figured something out defensively? I think to a degree we have. Um, you saw it really come. I think we saw it come to fruition, I think, more against City, right? With Emerson playing as well as he did, not only defensively, but also getting forward. Because I think if you have a good defensive structure, it allows better attacking. Um, but the way, even the way that Dyer played, stepping forward a little more, stepping into the midfield, which is uh, and another area that uh, you have touched on, definitely, that where our midfielders tend to get overrun because where a lot of clubs will play three uh, three midfielders, we'll play two. So those two midfielders will get outrun. Dyer stepping into that midfield spot kind of helps keep them balanced. And we weren't doing that before. Dyer was trying to stay all the way back. He was trying to stay as that last defender going. And that's that hasn't been a good a good strategy for us. I don't know when the club identified that. I wish they had identified it at the beginning of the year. But Dyer seems to have gone back to the role that he played in previous seasons where he was Similar kind of a role. Kind of the inverted version, right? Instead of being it's a like defensive a mid. 
Yeah, instead of a defensive <laughs> mid that falls back, he's a right. center back that presses forward. Right. Chris, can you name the last before before so in in, a, in an actual competitive match because the Motherwell match uh, friendly doesn't count in a competitive match before we kept the clean sheet against Crystal Palace on January fourth. When was the the last clean sheet we had before that? I don't even know. I we'd gone so long without. Did you did you take a guess on the like beginning, middle, or end, and month? So like beginning of X month, middle of X month. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm looking at the matches, so I'm cheating. Um, (laughs) It was Everton on October 15th. (laughs) Yeah. October 15th. Which may have been the last time we recorded, honestly. But since the last time we kept the clean sheet, and now we have kept in all competitions, let me reiterate, in all competitions, we have kept uh, three, four, five out of the last seven matches in all competitions, we've kept a clean sheet. I think we figured out something defensively, and I think that's a huge bonus for us going forward because we have not struggled to score goals. You know, it's so funny that everyone talks about terrorist tactics with Conte and we're so boring. Only two clubs have scored more goals than us, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we score plenty of goals. It's been our defense. Can't keep them out of the net. And the, and in this year, um, except for the Manchester City match, we have defended pretty well. Um, and I think if that move that going forward, I think that's what that that that. That's what I'm most excited for going forward. Um, let's, let's talk about going forward, Chris. Um, this month is, you know, well, a couple of things. One, we return to Champions League action um, a week from today. The last time we were in the knockout, we had a knockout match in Champions League was right before the world shut down um, against RB Leipzig, literally the week that everyone started shutting down in March of 2020. Kind of weird to think about, right? Right. Um, we played Leicester um, this weekend um, away. Leicester are probably the definition of mid-table, but mid-table could possibly get relegated this year because of how everything's so tight. Then we go and we play West Ham at home on the 19th. West Ham are pretty, pretty freaking poor. And then we play Chelsea at the end of the month um, at home. I saw a stat, I think, so one, two, three. Oh, I didn't four, realize Leicester were that bad, but they are bad. You're you're right. I think six out of our next or seven out of our next eight matches in the Premier League are against teams or fighting relegation. Yeah. Um and, and and mixed in there, we have two matches against AC Milan, obviously, and an FA Cup match. Is this the for Spurs, Chris, is this where we really see if we've turned a corner and we can actually fight for things? Um, you know, Conte has stayed. We're done with we're done with the transfer window. Conte's still here. He has not re-signed. But is this next three weeks what decides if Conte's here next year or not? I think the real litmus test will be that Chelsea game. At the Interesting. End of the Why so? Just because that's that's. Outside of City, that's our toughest opponent next that, that's coming up in these uh, this month. But I think that one will be we we never get a good result. We we've never have really gotten a good result against uh, Chelsea. And I'm trying to see where that one is actually being played. If that's a home match for us, it's a home match. We 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 yeah, play much right. better against them at home than, than yeah, Sanford Bridge is our buddy. At home against Chelsea, um, Chelsea are incredibly poor right now. They are. Um, I think that one will be, but they'll be up for it is the thing. Just like West Ham is going to be up for it. They're bottom of the table, but they're going to be up for it. Um, I think that one will be kind of a litmus test for us. Um, and I do think that this this run of matches coming up is going to be, if there was ever a time for us to go on a run, as Kulisevsky said, now is it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what happens with our schedule building, but we we tend to have a really tough schedule at the beginning of the season. And then we usually, for some reason in my recent memory, I always think we have an easier downhill slope in the back half of the season. Well, and so then, also I'll tell you, after we played – so going all the way to – Ooh, April's a landmine. 
<laughs> Sorry. Well, so so we play Bournemouth April fifteenth. Um, Brighton's a tough match, but and, and Nottingham Forest are top of the form table right now in, in on March eleventh, but they're still a bottom half team. But if, if you know, I mentioned that seven of our next eight matches in the league are against bottom half teams. That that run ends with Bournemouth on April fifteenth. Then we play Newcastle, United, and Liverpool all in a row. We do finish our season, though, with Palace, Villa, Brentford, and Leeds. Um, Brentford are going to be a mid-table team. Villa are struggling mightily. Palace are struggling mightily. And Leeds are probably either going to be safe or relegated by the time we get to them. So our last four matches are not so bad. Honestly, the back half of our schedule looks really good. Yes, we have Newcastle, United, and Liverpool all in a row. Um, Who knows what Liverpool you're going to run into? Well, and two of those are on the road. Newcastle away is going to be incredibly difficult. Uh, United look a brand new team, and who knows what Liverpool's going to look like by the time we get to April. I mean, Liverpool look worse than we did under Pochettino in the fall of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I bring up the schedule for this reason. AC Milan are in dire straits right now. We have a quarterfinal matchup against Sheffield United. You know, most of our Premier League games remaining are against bottom half teams Chris what are your expectations for the competitions we're in you know we're only a point off Newcastle who have drawn 10 matches this season 11 of their 21 matches they have dropped points in this season they've just they they're they're bolstering they're bolstering their their record with so many draws but I mean we're a point off Newcastle we're only three points off of Manchester United in third, only six points off of Manchester City in sixth. And let me, lest I remind you, Sun has played, has had his worst season since his first season at, at Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Richarlison hasn't been healthy and hasn't been able to, to produce anything for us yet. Uh, Kulisevsky has been in and out of the team. So we only have up to go for attacking wise and our defense sure. has just kept all these clean sheets. What is your expectations for the rest of the season, given pretty favorable schedule, a favorable draw in the FA Cup, a favorable draw in the Champions League? Honestly, I think we, I think we're going to find a way into top four. I think that's going to happen. Is um, it Newcastle that drops out? I think it may be Newcastle that drops out. We'll wait and see. I'm not even going to mention the whole city thing until the Premier League really makes a ruling on how they're going to do or if they're going to do anything. To Man City, because uh, who knows what's going to happen there. Um, and I'm just keeping this to us. I'm not touching on anybody else. Just I think we are going to find a way to top four. And I'm going to say it now. I think we win the FA Cup. Wow. Is that is that because of who's left? What what makes you say that? I think no, it's a combination of who's left. And I think with a... Not, I, I'm not going to say call it a weaker schedule at the end of the season. Uh, I'm just going to say we have a favorable schedule towards the end of the season that some of our – and we seem to at this point have probably the most depth I've seen us have in a very long time. So there's ability to rotate and still maintain the level of quality. Um, I think we can win the FA Cup, and I think we can get top four. If we can do that – I call this a very successful season. Um, now, as far as Champions League, let's go as far as we can in the Champions League. I don't see us winning the Champions League by any stretch, but stranger things have happened. Um, no one saw us making the final year, we did. Yeah, no one saw us making the final, so who knows? Who knows? We might get... Uh, around 16 now, so uh, anything can happen. Um, but I, I'm not hinging my bets on the... Um, on the Champions League, I do think that the club should focus on winning the FA Cup. And I think win, I think it's plausible. I think it's doable. I think we have the squad depth to do it. Um, and I think we have a favorite. I mean, what are we? We're in the quarterfinals now, yes, against uh, Sheffield yep. beginning of next month. If we beat Sheffield, we go to the semifinals. So I think that we are in a favorable position to do so. And I think that should be one of the main focuses, if not the focus of the club, is to win the FA Cup. And I think that I think we do. I think we win the FA Cup. Uh, so, sorry, quick, quick, quick correction. We're we're in the final 16. So a a win against Sheffield United put us in the puts us uh, into the quarterfinals. Sorry, in, in the, into the quarterfinals. Yeah, my bad. 
Yeah, you're right. Um, but yes, I, I still think I think there are still some very tough teams there. We're going to have to beat someone difficult. We're going to have to play another hard game in the cup. Maybe it's the final. Maybe it's not. Who well, knows? I mean, yeah, you, you're, you're touching on something there. But I mean, Burnley and Fleetwood is a match, right? Uh, uh, South Southampton play Grimsby Town. I mean, we could draw Manchester United, Manchester City, but we could also draw Blackburn Rovers. I mean, yeah. it's it, it's really hard to know. Um, Sunderland and Fulham play tomorrow, and that's the winner yeah, of that play leads. With the FA Cup, you just have to beat who's in front of you. That's all. Yeah, you- and I mean, there's really not. I mean, City and United. Are really, I mean, Brighton's a great, is a good team. Let's, let's, is, let's if you're a Spurs fan right now, is anybody turning down the FA Cup? It's not the League Cup. <laughs> no, I mean, and and City and City and United are really the two strongest teams left, and they could just easily draw each other. Next round, who knows? I also think that the fact that City and United uh, are also still trying to fight to catch up with Arsenal uh, plays in our favor. That they they have to concentrate so much on the league. Let's not uh, count United out of this title race yet. They're only three points back of of City. Uh, They still have to play Arsenal. Um, City and Arsenal have to play each other twice before the end of the season. Two matches against each other. Um, United still have to play. I think they still have to play Arsenal. Let's see here. They yeah. play Arsenal twice. If City goes or goes to Arsenal, if they go, if they beat Arsenal twice, this whole thing uh, turn, turns around. This whole that gap is erased. <laughs> like it changes absolutely everything if City can beat Arsenal twice, and they can. They have the tools to do it. United uh, and Arsenal have already played each other twice, so they don't play each yep, other again. Okay. But, but um, so so your explanation, so you say FA Cup and, and top four. I think we'll finish top four. I, I don't have any faith that Newcastle can hold out to the end of the season. I don't think they score enough goals. Uh, their defense is the best in the league. If that holds up, they're going to be tough to beat. But with all of the draws, when you, when you talk about staying up, draws keep you up. When you're talking about top four, draws keep you out of the top four. Right. Um, and you know, they've dropped point. The, the fact of the matter is they've dropped points in 11 of their 21 matches. We've dropped points in 10 out of our 22. We're not much better than them, but I think we score plenty of goals and usually down the stretch March to the end of the season, the games start opening up teams start playing more free flowing teams aren't as, as constricted. Um, I think, you know, I I just have this feeling that Newcastle are going to find it tough come down the stretch to find the goals to to stay up in the top four. I think United are going to finish closer to the top than than fourth. They're really catching on. I really think this could become a three horse race for the title, and we might you know just hold on to fourth. What what's really astounding to me is that Chelsea and Liverpool to me have no chance of top four. Um, they're not crazy out of it points wise, but I mean. I've shown no ability to get into that race. Um, but, you know, it's going to be interesting. So, so, so closing up here, looking forward, you know, you say, you know, we've got a very interesting February in front of us. Um, what is your expectation against Leicester given uh, a few days later we play in a knockout match against uh, the first leg of a knockout match against AC Milan? And keep in mind, um, Conte has never won the Champions League against Leicester. I think the biggest um, the biggest question mark is going to who's going to be playing right center back. Um, I, Sanchez is the easy plug in to go there, and I oh god, I I told you earlier today I'd really love to see Emerson get a run out at right center back to let Poro play there. But you're right. We have that Milan game coming up right after that. So it's very unlikely you're going to play both of your right wing backs in the Leicester game. It's going to be Sanchez there. Um, honestly, I think Emerson is probably going to get another run at Leicester. And maybe you see Poro kind of subbing in for him in Leicester and in Milan. It really depends on his game in Leicester, because if he continues this run of games, it's hard to say he doesn't deserve a Champions League start. Um we can beat Leicester. Uh, so I'm it, it's if the same team that shows up against Man City shows up against Leicester, we win that match. 
they, I'll put it they, that way. They, they, they beat Villa 4-2, and they drew Brighton before that, but they had lost six in a row. Um, right. In all competition. Well, no, I guess the EFL Cup was against Newcastle, so they lost five Premier League matches in a row before drawing Brighton and then having that ridiculous second half um, or ridiculous match in general against Aston Villa away. I don't have any faith that, that Leicester are a good team. I it's think, weird I think, enough to say that when I think about how, like, when I go to try and predict an outcome of a match, my first thought is to go look at how they play in the midfield. How they, no, no, how they no, no, no. It's not, it's not weird. And I think I think Dyer pushing forward, like you said, has really bolstered our midfield. And listen, I think I think anything can happen in football, but if we even play close to how we played against Manchester City, we should wipe Leicester away. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Conte handles AC Milan because um, in some ways it's the perfect match. You know, playing Milan away is the perfect match to play Poro because it's going to be more similar. You know, it's not a Premier League match. It's going to be more similar to what he's used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also Milan away, and Emerson has been playing phenomenally. But Milan, oh man, Milan has been in rough shape. Um, they lost 5-2 to Sassuolo uh, not too long ago, 4-0 to Lazio before that, 1-0 to Inter over the weekend, 3-0 to Inter in the uh, in the uh, Supercoppa Italiana final, uh, drew Lecce, lost to Torino, drew Roma, lost, uh, they beat Salern, Salern, Salernitana, Salerno, <laughs> I guess, but... They they have had a rough rough go of it. Um, um, in in Serie A recently, and they're they're really struggling. I I it'll be interesting. I don't know what he does. I think I think Poro probably waits for his full debut um, against West Ham is what I would predict. I would predict we start Poro against West Ham on the 19th. He has sub-appearances against Leicester and Milan. Um, and I think uh, against West Ham, we do Poro and Sassignan as our wing backs and really go after them. Um, and I think Dan Juma probably gets some sub-appearances until we play Sheffield. I think I think Dan Juma and Richarlson are, are relegated to, to sub-appearances until we play Sheffield on March 1st. Um, that's the thing is, I don't, I don't mind that. I like, I like the idea of having tactical options for, uh, for various positions. I like the idea of having a more attacking wing back in Poro, who's going to get after teams and then a shutdown wing back like Emerson, who's going to be right. a more defensive option. Like I like having depth options that you can rotate. And if they can do some of what the other one does, Hey, all more power to them. And if Poro's that for us on the right, that's huge considering seven of our next eight league matches are against bottom half teams yeah. or whatever it is, seven of our next nine, whatever it is, are against bottom half teams. We're going to need that player that can really exploit the space we're going to get. Up, Put him out up, there, up, let him run it, and you know, then and Emerson, Emerson can, in at the end can, of the game and let him shut down whatever. Yeah, and then Emerson can be you know, our quarterfinals uh, uh, guy or, or in Champions League or against teams like – you know, I think he'll be very vital against teams like Chelsea that um, have a lot of talent but not a lot of cohesion. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think I think we've caught up pretty well here, Chris. Uh, you're predicting an FA Cup win in top four. I think I think top four is something that I'll predict. Um, I would love for us to make a run at one of these cups. I think this is a very favorable year for us to make an FA Cup final, um, especially if City and United draw each other. I think if City and United draw each other at any point while we're still in the competition, there's no excuse for us not to make the final. I mean, Brighton are a good team, but we should be favored against any team not named City and United. So, um, are we playing uh, if we get City? Or are we playing them at, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium? If we are, I mean, we might as well chalk that up as a win right now because Pep apparently can't. <laughs> Were they they've never scored. So yeah, five matches at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Pep Guardiola has, has managed Manchester City zero goals, uh, but like something like eighty something shots on on goal or sixty something shots on uh, yeah. shots. 
uh, have yet to score, <laughs> have lost every match. Um, I think that goes back to our Champions League run, right, before COVID? When we I went- believe so. Yeah, it goes back pretty far. Like, they just cannot – Pep just has no luck at Tottenham Hotspur State. Well, yeah, because we were playing so the 2020, 2021, 2022 Proper season. bogey team. We so are. it's three <laughs> – yeah, 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 that would have been, yeah, exactly. We played when the league and and Champions League at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium that season. Then we've played three straight seasons in the league since. Five matches at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, they still haven't scored a goal, and we've beaten them every match. Um, good, good shout there. Um, all right, well, we are going to uh, make an effort here to uh, every Sunday. Start recording. Uh, we'll send out a tweet when we when we start recording, so that everyone knows that episode is forthcoming. We're gonna try to make that happen. Um, this is a big month, big run for this team. At some point, we're gonna have to get together, Chris, and talk on air about my trip to Tottenham oh, Hotspur yeah. Stadium. Uh, I was there for our 2-0 defeat to Arsenal in the league, um, but it's an experience I would never trade for anything in the world. Um, we're going to have to put some pictures of that up on our socials. Um, apologies for the long hiatus, everybody, but Chris, it was, it's been so great. We're back. back on the horn. It's, it's been so great getting you back on the horn, man. I'm, I'm glad everything's going well there in Michigan. Um, and your room, your Tottenham Hotspur colored room is making me very jealous. Um, <laughs> I've got, I've got so Tottenham stuff on the walls too, but, um, they are not. I, I, I'm renting, so I can't paint the walls. Uh, but until next time, hopefully that will be very soon. Uh, come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. You've been listening to State Star Spurs Podcast with Colin, Adam, and Chris. Be sure to follow the lives on Instagram, Facebook, at State Star Spurs. Or Twitter, just switch around. To ask those things done. Send us your questions and we